So to Feeks Down, this is Feeks Down episode number 51.3, and we're continuing our playthrough of Rogue Galaxy on the PS4, which is a PS2 classic. Uh, tonight, or today, whenever you listen to this, I have with me Matt Quinn. Hello everyone from the sunny city of Chicago. In the windy city it is. Yeah. Uh, is it pretty windy up there? Uh... It's actually pretty nice. It's been, you know, around 80 to 83 every day. It's been not real windy, but it was overcast one day and pretty sunny the rest of the days. So, uh, all in all, better weather than when I lived here for years. There you go. So, yeah, Rogue Galaxy. Um, I have put a lot of time in this game since the last time we recorded. Me too. This was a big chunk. Probably the most I've played in, in a six or seven day span. Yeah. That's definitely the case for me because, well, Chapter 8 just keeps going. Um, it's, I, I, I will go as far as say it's, it's probably going to be the longest chapter in the game. I have a feeling. I'm, yeah, sure, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, there's no way another chapter could be this long. So, God, where do I even begin? Well, we were already looking for the three key pieces, right? Yes. So that I mean that ends up leading into essentially what is probably the most story heavy section of the game so far as well. Yeah. So what we're trying to do is we found the, the great tablet and we're in the great tablet told us we had to get these three key pieces in order to unlock the 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 way to Eden. Um, so, uh, in doing so, we have to travel to the three planets we've already been to and go to these temples. Now, we already went to the first temple, which was on Jerica, which is the temple of Leo. Um, and I think we talked about going through the temple, uh, and we were to the end where we were talking about the, uh, the ghost that was guarding the key piece itself. Yeah. The, the mad witch. Yeah. The mad witch, this old woman who kept ranting and raving about how we couldn't take anything from her. But um, we have a boss fight with her. And I think I remember saying on the last episode, I had, I had done this fight already and you hadn't. Yeah, I was just just coming up to it. And um, I remember saying I kind of like this boss fight because it made me pull out strategies. Um, 
at this point, I, I like, I was still not using that legendary sword that you were talking about, the Earth Shaker. Yeah, which was not. It was doing six hundred damage, but on the power scale, it was. I think it's three seventy three. Yeah, somewhere around in there. But it's not really that many fold more impressive than the other weapons, but it is still a significant upgrade. So yeah, I hadn't had it at that point in the game, um, which was what I'd worked on after we recorded our last episode, and I did get that sword, and man, that thing's amazing. Yeah, that that's pretty excellent. That's going to be the, the sword I use for the rest of the game. So you're not going to think it any other. I'm trying to get one more of the seven star swords. Yeah, we. I mean, I could. Don't we acquire one that just has to be upgraded in the next key piece part? Do we? I don't think... Is, is that a sword? Isn't that one of the legendary swords? Which one? The one that's basically the king. Uh, I don't think so. Okay. There so, is one the the legendary swords is called Pride of Kings. Okay. Which I thought maybe that was the evolved version, but it doesn't look like it from any of the charts I've looked at. Gotcha. So, um we defeat the boss and kind of find out this old ghostly woman has been trying to protect uh not only a key piece but also what represents the key piece, which is a little baby. Um, and we find the baby and we take it to, um, to the villagers in, uh, on Jerica and leave it with them. And we take the key piece. Then we have to tra- travel to the next few areas. Uh, what was the next one you went to? Was it the tower one? Yeah. The two towers. Yeah. That's where I went to. Part of this game chapter. The what now? Ridiculously long part of this chapter, making it the long part of the whole game. Yeah. And so, I very rarely look at a fact while playing this game. Um, But there was some issues I had with this place. So, we know that there are two very tall towers that we have to climb in order to get the Libra. A key piece. And of course these two towers represent two uh, brothers who um, lived a long time ago. Uh, and there's a story beat here um, when we make it to uh, the tower it's um, covered by a force field that we're not able to um, break through. Uh, Steve the robot says that he can if he goes into like his overdrive mode. Um, but he has to have it unlocked first from Dr. Uh, Picaccio. So we go to Dr. Picaccio, and Dr. Picaccio is kind of hesitant about it. He doesn't want to do it. And the reason why is because, uh, as we all know, he op- uploaded his son, his dead son, Mark. He uploaded his memories into Steve so that he could continue to live, basically, and through Steve's eyes. And if he puts them into overdrive mode, it could potentially do damage to the memories of Mark. But he does it anyway uh, to help out his friends. 
and we're able to take down the force field. Um, and I started to the left. So when you go and you're there's, you go to the left or the right and it's each one is an entrance to the tower. The thing is that this dungeon is completely confusing. Yeah. Because if you go to the left, you're in tower number one. If you go to the right, you're in tower number two. I didn't know that. All I knew was, is I went to the left and went into tower number one. And as I was going up the tower, going through this long maze of dungeon, I was constantly going over bridges into tower number two. And then climbing up, going back over a bridge, and I'm in tower one again, climbing up again. And we went over bridges three times. So I was thinking, oh, so it's just interconnected like this. So I'm just climbing the towers. Essentially both towers at the same time. Exactly. Well, that's not the case. Yeah. And I didn't know that. So I climbed the first tower, basically, and ran into one of the brothers. So before I say that, we ran in, when we first enter one of the towers, we are encountered by a talking sword. The sword comes to Jaster and says, I need you to help help my sons cross over to the next world because they are in an internal conflict with each other over my throne and they don't realize that they've been dead for years. And he has basically put his soul inside of the sword. And so you get this sword, which I never used because I'd already had the earth uh, shaker at that point. I did to level it up. So I basically, I've been using the earth shaker only when I've leveled up all the swords that I currently have. Right. I think I'm carrying about nine different leveled up swords completely maxed out. Uh, and so as soon as I have a break, which I might do after, you know, after the next chapter, I might do a little planet hopping, pick up the last pieces that I need and try and try and make one of the next star swords. Gotcha. So, um, but yeah, we climbed the tower and uh, when we reach the top of the first tower, we run into one of the sons. Uh, and he's he thinks that we're working for the other son, his brother. And he immediately attacks us. Um, I'm able to... I'm able to do some crazy damage with Illusion Sword. Did you have the Earthshaker? Yes. Did, right? uh-huh. Yeah. Essentially, every fight... Now, with the Earthshaker and Illusion Sword, has been a breeze. Yeah. I mean, like, I think I even streamed it. So I've been streaming a lot of this game lately. I streamed that boss fight, and literally that boss fight took me eight seconds, nine seconds. I I activated Illusion Sword, and and he's dead. It was over. On top of that, uh, Lilica's uh, God War Cry, um, which ups my attack power. Oh, dude, nobody can survive that. So, um, we beat him, and this is where I get lost. I'm thinking, how the hell do I get? How the hell do I get to the top of Tower Two? So I'm running around this dungeon, trying to figure out where the, where did I miss going? I, I go to Tower Two, the the highest level that I can do. Can't go any further. I have no idea where I need to go. I finally look at a fact, and the fact is not helping me. The fact is saying, okay, head to Tower 2. All right, I'm in Tower 2. 
What do you mean, head the tower to? What I was supposed to do was leave the entrance completely, go around and go to the right side, and then go into Tower 2 from the entrance there. Yeah, essentially the lobby of Tower 2. Yeah. And I was like, I wish this game would tell me that. I mean, I, I, I seriously spent like two hours trying to figure out where I was going. But I grinded the hell out of it. I, I did every fight and was able to get, I, like, I, I'm at the end of chapter 10 right now. And I would say I'm level 56, I think. So I grinded a good amount of levels. Oh, yeah, sounds like it. I think I'm only like 52. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we make it to the top of tower number two. We run into the other brother. They kind of have the same spiel. We fight him. And uh, we put their souls to rest whenever the father, the son, the, the sword itself begins to talk. And the sons realize, hey, we've been dead for a long time. We need to go to peace kind of thing. And we get the second key piece. Not much revelation right there, to be honest with you. Yeah. And after that one, we go back to the, the mining planet because we got to find another key piece, the key piece to the Cancer King. Um, to which this dungeon seemed like it was big, but it actually wasn't. You can make a beeline straight for where you need to go. And that, it honestly took me maybe 20 minutes. See, I haven't done any dedicated grinding, but I also haven't been doing any, like, beelines for anything. I've sort of been exploring everywhere to try and find all the chests I can find and just sort of going a bit slower in order to grind while I go instead of being forced to at any one point. So, I, I mean, this part was a lot shorter, but it still took me probably a good hour. Yeah. So the story of this one is is that this... um temple is basically underground uh, in the waterways of the city that we were in in the mine, the mining city. I can't remember what the name of it was. Um, so uh, when we go down there, uh, we run into a little boy. Um, and this boy basically lives underground with a whole bunch of other kids. And he's asking Jaster and his friends to please help him because their friend... Um, who is a beast is being attacked um, by something they don't know what and he, he needs their help so um, we agree to help out this beast that has been protecting these kids underground for so long and we have to travel to where he is and it's like I said that's the most straightforward period I've ever seen this one was not fleshed out at all I, I, yeah. I, I, what, what now? Uh, just other than the, that the beast, you know, cause at first there's all, there's the questions like, can there be a good beast? That doesn't make any sense. And then in the end, that beast was like the gatekeeper for the cancer King. Yeah. But I'm just like, it, but it was all revealed right there at the very end. Yeah. You know, the rest of it, like, you know, we had the sword talking to us about his sons 
and then the one uh, the, the the one on Jerica, it was the woman we kept running into the the ghostly woman who kept trying to run us away. But in this one, it was just like kid kids like, hey, help this beast out, okay? And we run to the beast, and then everything's revealed right there, in like a, a minute and a half cutscene. And I was just like, hmm, that was kind of quick. Yeah, not to mention that boss fight was not really even a boss fight. It, that that was the um wasn't that just where it was three robots n- well no that was that was like the mini boss we we did have to fight a boss um which was like wasn't that that tentacle looking thing that we had to flip upside down or am i thinking of the next chapter that's a nine because that was in the desert because it was like a desert squid or something yeah what the hell was the boss in that one was it was it just those three yeah, I think it was. Just, I don't think there was anything else there. Oh wow, that was well, that was a joke. It was kind of weak as far as bosses go. Yeah, but yeah, so the beast was kind of found out he was he used to be human, but was turned into a beast, and he was basically watching over the temple all these years for the the Cancer King. Although th- this point was where I had a weird like I had to replay like an hour because basically from when you beat those three walkers. It's, you know, it's a ridiculous number of cutscenes. Then you start the next chapter. Then you have, you start the next chapter off with back-to-back boss fights. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I happened to die in one of those, and I had to sit through all of that again. It was like a full hour before you really had control over your guy to, to save anything. Well, you know you can skip cutscenes, right? Uh, I did not know that. If you pause the game, uh, you can hit the triangle button to skip cutscenes. Uh, that would have been useful at that point. Trust me, dude. I'm about to get into something where if I wasn't able to skip cutscenes, I would have quit playing this game. Oh, damn. Yeah. So um, we get all three key pieces, and this begins, like you said, the big, long cutscene boss fight stuff. Which I thought was kind of cool, by the way. I mean, again, like I said, this has actually been one of my favorite parts of the game just because there's so much happening. Yeah. A lot, a lot of shit's revealed here. Yeah, yeah. Chapter nine is key to this game so far. Yeah. So um, when we get the three key pieces, we're like, okay, we need to go back to Rosa, the desert planet, um, and take them to the tablet. Uh, to which, on the way there, unfortunately, the key pieces are missing. We find that they're missing from the ship, and Zingram finally betrays us. We've been seeing it so long, and he runs to the uh, the deck of the ship and is getting ready to leave while we're we're flying or floating or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I kept waiting for him when he leaves to pierce through whatever like force field is surrounding the ship, but he never does. No, so it's literally like they're exposed to space, even though they're clearly not. <laughs> I don't really get it. So, um. But yeah, we, we run up to the deck, we try to stop Zegram, he begins, we begin a boss fight with him, and this is the biggest thing that this game has, is that there's constant boss fights that last too long, and you're not supposed to win them. Yeah, it does have a lot. I mean, this is, the, the so far there's been like five. Yeah, every time we see Seed. Every time we see Seed, we're not supposed to beat him. And this fight right here with Zegram, we're supposed to 
just let time pass, basically. See, I almost wish they had done it more where you need to damage him a certain amount because then at least you, you're engaged. You're doing something, yeah. This whole wait a certain number of minutes is ridiculous because you don't know that that's what you're supposed to do until it's already happened. Yeah. So um, the 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 biggest thing here is that we're going to get a little bit more exposition on what's up with Zegram. Zegram escapes the ship and goes to Rose on his own. We chase after him, uh, but he gets there before us and runs into the uh, the main villain of this game so far. Uh, was it what was it again? Isn't it Valcog? Valcog, I think. Yeah, of the Daytron. Corporation there or? you go, Daytron. I couldn't remember the name of the fucking corporation for the longest time. Uh, but yeah, and he basically has struck a deal with him uh, to hopefully get those three key pieces so that his girlfriend can come back to life. Uh, because he knows that Daytron has been working on a way to basically resurrect people from the dead. Or at least in theory, that's what they were trying to do. Um, but after seeing what went on in the prison, he then realizes they're not working on anything like that. They're just trying to create this super soldier, which they do in the form of seed. Um, and he basically is like, you know what? Screw you guys. You're, you're not getting these key pieces. I know what you're doing. I'm not an idiot. And so they succeed on him. So we play a Zegram by himself. Fighting Seed, which is yet another boss fight we can't win. So, after a certain amount of time, uh, we, the, the rest of Jaster and his uh, crew, um, show up and take on Seed on their own with, with everybody else. So it's, and this one, this is the one of the few fights in the game where you're kind of stuck with the part, the party members that you have. So you're stuck with, uh, Kisala and Zegram. Mm-hmm. Um, which was fine for me because I had Kisala in my group anyway. Yeah. See, I don't have any of those people in my group. Um, so, uh, but here's, here's the thing is that you fight Seed and I didn't know this, what you're supposed to do is you're fighting him on the stone tablet itself, right? And there's three part points on the tablet where you're supposed to put the keys. I didn't know during the fight you're supposed to run up to those pedestals to put the keys in. So I just fought him. And I, uh, fought, I fought him until he got to no health left and he would not die. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck am I doing wrong? So all I had to do actually was run to each pedestal, put the key pieces on, and then I get a cutscene, and then I can fight him again. Well, it does. It does show you because it automatically puts the first one in for you. No, you have to run up to it. My first one happened in a cutscene, and then I only had to place the last two. At least yeah. I thought that happened. Well, I have video evidence showing that I had to walk up to mine. <laughs> oh, oh man! Yeah. Because I was uh, recording this, or I was I was streaming it, it it was really annoying. So after putting those key pieces in, 
the you we get a long cutscene of basically the gates are opening, but it's this weird misshapen structure that appears. Yeah, it's like Tetris Worlds. Yeah. So there's tons of cubes and, and blocks and stuff like that just all scattered around. Um, and when this happens, um, we, uh, we see that Seed, which I, I forgot to mention, uh, before Zagron fights Seed, they finally take off the mask. Seed takes off his mask and it looks exactly like Jaster. Yeah, same birthmark and everything. Yeah. So, um, uh, we, but yeah, that's, that was the big thing. Cause the thing is, is like, he even like, it even sounded like the same voice actor for the longest. I was like, this has got to be like a, a clone of him or something. Mm-hmm. And, but anyway, so, um, do we fight seed? Yeah, no, he, he, he attempts to solve the puzzle and then we fight him. Yeah. Yeah, because it's after he fails, and then Valkog like disposes of him that he transforms. Right. So, um, basically, he he when we put the key pieces in, this gigantic structure appears. It's supposed to be a puzzle that you're supposed to solve, and Seed was specifically created for this reason because he has the DNA of the Star King. Which the Star King is the ruler of Eden and all of the universe. So he should be able to solve this puzzle in order to open the, the way to Eden. So he starts going like crazy in a cutscene, like trying to solve this puzzle, moving blocks around and stuff like that, using his hands. How, how do you make it so clearly a puzzle in a video game and not let us ever even attempt to solve it? I wouldn't even want to attempt to solve that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. the way it was set up, it was ridiculous. But. <laughs> um, and so he gets it to the point where it looks like it's almost solved. He puts the final piece in, and it doesn't go in all the way. And when he realizes that, the entire thing explodes and then comes back to where it was originally. And he's, he's flabbergasted. Why can't I solve this puzzle? I don't get it. I'm supposed to be the chosen one to be able to solve this. And when Volkog sees this, He's like, well, I'll have my scientists figure it out. Don't worry. I uh, I don't need you anymore. And walks away. Basically says you're a disgrace, a failure. Yeah, you're just another failed experiment. And uh, to which Seed goes nuts. He goes insane and then turns into a minotaur. Actually, a centaur. Well, no. It's a centaur. Is it a centaur? What's a minotaur? Minotaur is like it looks like a human with a bullhead. There you go. Yeah, I'm getting my my fantasy, uh, my fantasy enemies mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, he turns into a centaur, gigantic centaur, and attacks our party. Uh, we then have a boss fight, uh, which I didn't find too difficult originally. No, he had a nice uh, wide area of attack, but you could always just keep running behind him and wait for him to miss. Yeah. And Illusion Sword has a pretty good reach on it. So you can just keep slashing at the air and shooting beams at him. Um, 
And after we do enough damage to him, he then begins to just attack Jaster. Another um, one. What now? Another one on one. This game does have a lot of one on one fights, also. Yeah, it does. So, um, and he, he gets the upper hand with Jaster. He's about to stab him to death, and but Jaster is able to put his hand up and stop this gigantic spear from piercing him with his hand. And Jaster begins to turn into a Super Saiyan. He explodes with power. His hair basically turns into Super Saiyan hair. It lifts up into the air. He has a red aura around him. And he his birthmark then covers like all of his face in these weird designs. And he has become like a powered up version of himself. He has awoken himself, if you will. And then we have a boss fight between just Jaster and Seed as the Minotaur. Centaur, goddammit. It kind of feels like the end of the game with all the bosses, all the battles. Yeah. So, uh, and this is where I lost my shit a few times. <laughs> because while this boss is a pushover when it comes to hitting him, Every time I got him to like one or two hits left, he would do an area of attack, a spell that would kill me instantly. Oh, so. Yeah. To which you get a game over screen and you have to load your last save, which my last save was while I was still underground with the kids. Which means. Oh, and then. What now? I was going to say, damn, because I had that same feeling, but I was only still on the first. Uh... The first fight with Zegram, the one time I accidentally died and had to reboot, and I was upset. This is like a half an hour later that you had to replay, or half an hour more. Well, here's the thing. I was. It was at the end after I'd already got the last key piece. Yep. So all I had to do was teleport to the ship, see the cutscene there, I, and that's when I started skipping all the cutscenes. I skipped the cutscene there. Fought Zegram, which was basically me holding the block button the entire time until the time ran out. Then, as Zegram fought Seed, blocked the entire time. Then, as my party put three key pieces in, skipped cutscenes. Then, as a party, fought Seed. Then, as Jaster by himself, fought Seed again. This happened five times. Five times? Holy crap. Yeah. Every time I got close to killing Seed in that last battle, he would do that fucking attack and kill me instantly. Damn. And you're talking about wasting an hour. I literally wasted an hour skipping cutscenes and holding down the block button. And I was really, really considering saying fuck this game. <laughs> Because here's the bad thing about it. I streamed the entire thing. You can go uh, back and watch me do this. Uh, I certainly will. Well, here's the thing. I don't have commentary going. So you don't hear me fucking like raging. Oh, but, but but no, you can see me just... You'll see me like going through the menus really fast. Ding, 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 ding. I'm just like so pissed off. I finally beat him. <laughs> uh, I, that... That that would suck for me to imagine going through what I think is like the best part of the game so far and to have such a big negative associated with it. 
I thought it was really cool, everything that happened. But I was to the point where I was just like, I want this to end now. <laughs> yeah. So, but no, I, I thought everything was really cool. Uh, the cutscenes look great, actually. Um, and, uh, but yeah, we beat Seed. And I mean, I mean, we annihilate. Uh, he dies. There, there is no coming back. At least, I'm not, I don't think he does. Um, clone, so they could just make another one, right? They needed him. Yeah. So, um, after that, we, uh, was it Jaster? He attempts to solve the puzzle and does it immediately because he is the correct person to do it because he, well, as we find out, he has the pure blood of the star King inside of him. And not Seed. Seed had a, you know, he was an abomination, basically. Synthetic version. Yeah. So then, uh, when we open the gate, it opens up to a large temple. Um, and we then go inside the temple. When we go inside the temple, we run back into... I, I forgot to mention this dumb, the dumb guy in the safari outfit. So when we went to the two tower dungeon, we run into him, but he's dead. So Finally. He's, yeah, he's a spirit that's floating around and he absolutely loves it. He's like, yeah, I got killed by like a beast on Jerica, but I'm now a spirit and I can go wherever I want and explore whatever I want. And he's absolutely loving it. And then, um, we, I can't remember what happens. I think something, something happens like that affects a lot of things. I can't remember if it was in the third dungeon or what, but it brings him back to life. No, it's at the end of the two tower dungeon. Yeah, it's at the end of the two towers. They give like a, a speech, basically. Right. And uh, he comes back to life. And uh, so he's still going around doing his exploring stuff. We run into him uh, in this new temple that we just opened. Uh, because he is so fascinated with this. But he actually has, knows a little bit more than what we do. Because he has a book that basically can decipher a lot of this ancient writing that we can't read. And he goes on ahead of us and we're continuing through, uh, to the, to the main path while he's looking at this wall of writing. And as he's deciphering it, he realizes that whatever we do to find our way to Eden, it leads to the universe's destruction. So he's desperately trying to find Jaster and Kasala and tell them, do not do whatever it is you guys were planning on doing. But he can't find us. So we continue through this temple. And man, this temple goes on forever. It's not hard to find your way. But it's just long. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and also, again, a bit circuitous. <sighs> I just, I don't know. It, it, 
I didn't. I'll be honest with you. I feel like this shouldn't even have been in there in the game. This entire dungeon shouldn't have even been in there. I think it was just. It felt like padding to me because all they had to do was show us the robot. All we had to do was meet the robot. But yeah, at the about halfway through the dungeon, we run into this robot guy who scans Jaster and Kasala and notices Kasala. It recognizes her. And he can't talk to us. He's pantomiming basically everything. Um, and he opens up this hatch on his chest and there's a thing that's missing. So we're like, okay, we'll go grab that for you. Maybe that'll help him able to be able to communicate better. So we go deeper in and we find the, um, the thing that has the robots, I guess, communications chip or yeah. whatever. Those robot hearts. Yeah. And it is a gigantic desert squid. Yeah, see, I mean, I didn't mind having this dungeon, but much like the Two Towers one, they could have cut about 50% out and it would have been better. Yeah. It was just far too long. Um, But we... Uh, and this is Chapter 9, by the way. Um, After we get the three key pieces, it ends Chapter 8. So in Chapter 9... Uh, we, we fight this squid boss. I, I thought the squid boss was easy as crap because I used Desert Wind to destroy all its tentacles. It flips over and then switched to Illusion Sword and just... It's dead. Yeah, I mean, I, I had to do that cycle about three times, but... I did it twice. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's... This sword really does make a difference. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is as an intense sword. Yeah, for sure. So we get the part back for the robot. We take it to the robot, and the robot is able to communicate with us now. And he tells us that he has been searching for Kisala for a long time, because even though Kisala knows that uh, Dorgangoa, the um, the captain of the ship, isn't her real father. She doesn't know where she comes from. Well, this robot tells her that she actually comes from Eden. Uh, and everybody calls it Eden, but that's actually not the real name of the planet. Um, the real name of the planet is, I can't remember the full name, but everybody calls it Marigold? Uh, Mary Glenn? Mary Glenn. Yeah, Mary Glenn. Um, and she just so happens to be the royal princess of Maryland. And I like here's I've accepted it, but I still I still said it and I still say it. Yet another RPG where everybody just so happens to be the chosen one. And I, I was just like, man, you know, I, I don't care anymore. Like I've accepted, like I was like, oh, okay, they're the chosen one. And, and I just kind of left it at that. But every time I see it, I'm just like, God, it, how many coincidences can happen in this game? I wonder. See, I, I would agree with you with Kasala, but what I love is sort of how full circle the game is coming. I mean, we still have a couple of things that we haven't mentioned yet, but. It, it's not really random because everybody associated with Jaster is still on Rosa. 
and they're sort of guiding him towards his destiny, which I thought was really cool. Because I, I would say that's almost not like a chosen one. Like there's all these people working to get him into the position that he needs to be. I don't know. It's it, It'll make more sense once we you know, get through the next chapter. But my thing is, is that even, yeah, even when we get through this next chapter, which we were about to talk about, I still feel there's no connection between Jaster and Eden. So why is he able to be, why is he the one that's able to solve the puzzle to Eden? Cause he's not from Eden. We know that. But he's a descendant of the Starking. True. How many there are, I don't know. I I don't know. So, we'll, but we'll get into that. Like a bloodline thing. Yeah. You know. So I, but yeah. Um. So the robots basically says we need you need to go back to Eden because there's people waiting for you there. Um. To which Saul's like, okay, sure, let's go. Um. But then we run into uh, Desert Claw, uh, and Desert Claw is saying, "You don't want to do that just yet, because if you do, it bad things will happen." So, um, but and then he runs off because that's what he does. Um, and so when we come back out of the temple, we notice that the town that Jaster grew up in is under attack by Volkog's like fleet of ships. Uh, and we go back in there to save some of the people, and uh, we run into Jaster's foster f- father, uh, the um, Raul, the priest. Um, and Raul uh, attempts to disrupt Volkong's ships, and he does for a few minutes, but they fire on him, and he is killed. Before he dies, he gives Jaster... Um, a medallion and tells him that he is, he is destined for greater things. And then he passes away. Uh, Jaster takes it relatively hard, but, um, during the night, he notices that there's something up with this medallion that Raul gave him. And when activated, it shows a map of Rosa. And it shows a location on the map that leads to a desert that's pretty much uninhabited. I say uninhabited, but then we run into a whole bunch of people in unknown places. Um, so we decide to go there because that, because Raul said it also desert claws, like you need to go there too, because that's where you're going to find the truth about Eden or find the truth about yourself. Yeah, he's especially mysterious about what he will find just saying the truth. Yeah. So we go to the desert, and there's a hardcore sandstorm going on. And we start running into people. Uh, The first person we run into is an old man who asks for water. And we have a choice to either give him water or not. Um, I'm curious... Yes for all these? Yeah, I said yes for all these too, because I'm curious of what would happen if you said no. Yeah, game over. Game over, can't progress. But um, I give the man water. We find a woman who's been bitten by a snake. 
Uh, we decide to help her and suck the poison out, even though it may kill us. Um, and then we run into a dead body who has a bag of gold on him and a note saying that he wishes he could give this money to his wife because she's waiting on it. We then run into the wife, give her the gold. All of which these people disappear like ghosts. Uh, and the final one was, was the woman when we gave her the gold and she's like, you, you've helped me pass on because I now know how much my husband loved me. And it's the weirdest fucking thing. This game is like so many things. It's like, it feels like a children's game, but then there's cursing. Then yeah. there was this crazy thing with the mob boss and a guy gets stabbed and dies in a very dramatic way. And then this scene where instead of a ghost just dissipating into nothing, the the camera pans and Jaster is in front of the woman and you can't see the woman. And then when it pans back, the fucking woman has turned into like this dried up skeleton corpse looking thing is standing there. Yeah, presumably gone to like her normal age. Yeah. And then is carried off by the wind. And I was like, why the fuck would you put that in there? It was, <laughs> I mean, it's borderline creepy. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I didn't know this was a horror game. Um, but then after all that, we're able to finally go through the sandstorm. And when we do, we run into a town. And this town, which is in the middle of a desert, it's full of lush gardens, trees, everything is green, everything's beautiful, and it makes absolutely no sense why I would be here. And we go into town, the town's called Johannesburg. Uh, we run into the old man who we gave water to, and he's like, well look, we can't just let anybody to town, we had to make sure you guys were good people before we let you in. Um, and we're like, well, we need to find some answers. We're coming here for answers. He's like, well, it's funny you say that because you have this birthmark on your face. Jaster does his birthmark on his face. And it is of somebody who used to live here. And we're like, okay, well, where did they live? And he points us in the right direction. Um, which I should mention in that guy's house, the final key, the, the sun key is there. Get that, you know, get that silver trophy. Oh shit! I don't have any of the keys yet. You don't have the Earth key, the Moon key, or the the, the Star key, or the Sun key. No, I don't have any of them. Wow, you've missed out on a lot, then. Yeah, all these treasure chests I miss out on. It's killing me. Yeah, I I have got all three keys. There's a silver trophy for you if you get it. And what if I can? I'm my my sword detour. Maybe I'll try and go back and get them. I don't know where, I where they are though. I mean, just look it up. Yeah, I can't remember where the Earth or, or Star Key was, but I know the Sun Key is in that man's um, house, the old man's house. I don't did know you just you... find them, or did you have to like make them? Or no, you... you find them in a chest. Oh, that's bullshit! I've spent so much time wandering around looking for chests, <laughs> and didn't run into the keys. Damn! I got the Earth Key real early on, like on Jerica, the huh. first time. I don't know how you missed it, man. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, I guess that was that was probably before I was really slowed down and was looking for everything, but no, I'm gonna have to go back and my do some quick searches. My question is, can you go back to 
Johannesburg. Oh, shit. Yeah, you might not be able to. Yeah. So, let's go ahead and get into it. There um, was a warp point in there. What now? There was a warp point in there? Yeah, there's multiple warp points hmm. in that town. You may be able to. I'm not certain, though. But, um, but yeah, we go into the edge of town, and there is a cabin there. And when we go into the cabin, we find the spirit of a woman who has the exact same birthmark that Jaster does. And before she wants to talk to us, she has to prove, we have to prove ourselves to her. So we have another boss fight against Johanna. Um, I just did this not even a few minutes ago. I didn't think it was hard, but it most certainly kept me on my toes. Because yeah. Johanna is like a magic user who shoots fireballs that will light you on fire. She has electric attacks that will shock you. And she has the ability to mirror image herself and have multiple versions of her running around um, attacking you with her same magic abilities. So I was definitely, I wasn't struggling, but I was definitely pausing the game constantly to heal up. Yeah. So when we beat her, she then says, okay, you're worthy of me telling you everything. So come to find out, this woman is Jaster's mother. She uh, lived on this this town a long time ago. I think she said like 10,000 years ago. And she knew that something was special about her. And she, uh, doing some investigation, she found out that she has the blood of the, the Star King running through her. And that gave her special abilities. One day, many years ago, the entire town was struck with a, 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 a it was like a, a sickness that, um, killed pretty much everybody in the town if they didn't find medical treatment or there was no medical treatment for it, but they would die within like a month. I think she said. So she decided to use her special power to save everyone. And in doing so, it made this town basically lost to time. Time stood still in this town. And she was lived there for years and years and years because time does, didn't move there. While everything surrounding it eventually turned to desert and turned into the Rosa that we all know nowadays. And she is there to tell Jaster that he has this great power inside of him that she has too. And he's going to use it to save the entire universe. To which, well, she's already dead. We don't know how, but we're about to find out. Um, she says that that's what she was, that's why she was still remained here. And now that she has told Jaster what he needs to do, she's time, it's time for her to move on and she disappears into the next world. I don't know. So Jester had that bomb dropped on him. 
and we decide now we have the truth. Now we will go to back to the the desert. Um, the end. Johannesburg disappears. It, we're back in the desert after all that. Go back into town and we run into Desert Claw again. And we get some more justification. So it's basically 18 years ago, um, Desert Claw was traveling through that very desert. He got lost. He um, collapsed and was saved by Jaster's mom. Um, she nursed him back to health. He fell in love with her, and they had a child together. But she wanted the child to experience more than just Johannesburg. She wanted the child to discover the entire galaxy. So she left Johannesburg, and in doing so, she died after giving birth to Jaster. Um, disease that everybody in the town did yeah it was just she just stopped time but when she left the town she time began to begin again and she succumbed to the 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 illness you'd think in 10,000 years they would have come up with a cure but apparently not no so um we find out that desert claw is in fact jaster's father and that he had a plan for Jaster all along, which is why he left Jaster with Raul at the church as he traveled the galaxy trying to figure out exactly what Jaster was supposed to do with his special power. So this is this is the point in the game where it becomes really less of a chosen one story for me. Because it's not like a normal person a normal person who, who just, you know, stumbles into fulfilling a prophecy like he his whole life was built around this from you know his, from his mother 10,000 years ago that's I guess that's why he doesn't have and there's no more other descendants of the Star King because she was sequestered for 10,000 years um, but sort of that like the fact that she was there waiting for him and Desert Claw was and, and Raul were sort of watching over him and preparing him for this day to me that makes it more like a, a bloodline Thing than a you know just a pure random person finds out he's the chosen one. I don't know. I I I, I really like this part of the game. I really like how everything seems to be tied together and like with Zegram. Yeah. You know Zegram's story, although there, you know there wasn't a lot of story to why he was betraying us. All of a sudden, that sort of justifies the seemingly random level of why are we walking around Rosencraster prison? Well, like now that, you know, that comes full circle. Now, we, now that we've experienced that and seen them doing those experiments, you know, that has some more context now. Yeah. Or I mean, Zegrim's story has more context now that we've experienced Rosencraster prison. Yeah. So, um, now that we have all this information, we know what we have to do. We have to travel to Eden and basically figure out what the hell is going on and what is so dangerous about going to Eden. Yeah, I still don't actually know what the problem is. Like, it's not like 
you know, if, if there was some like menace that was destroying planets and we needed to go to Eden to save the universe from that, then, you know, it would be worth the risk. But it seems like there is no risk unless we go there. So why on earth would we go there? Well, not to spoil anything for you. Oh, man. <laughs> but there is something really bad happening. Oh, shit. <laughs> Good. You know, then, then that makes me really happy that this game has panned out more story-wise than I thought it was going to. Yeah. Much more than I thought it was going to. Yeah, yeah. And all these seemingly random things, like, like, like Zegram's betrayal. You know, it's a, there's a essentially a logical reason for it, and then it ties it in with the levels. Yeah. And that, you know, Desert Claw, like the the whole the beginning of the game is meeting Desert Claw, and now that's coming full circle towards three quarters of the way through the game. I, you know, I. Other than the long levels, sort of breaking up the pacing of the game, I'm really liking the way that they've sort of laid out the story and then tied things together. Yeah. Now then you're going to like the next few cutscenes. I know you, you, you stopped after talking to, you know, finding out he's your dad, but I, I, I can seven reveals in a row. I needed a break. Yeah. Well, you're going to get some more reveals because immediately after that, you do go to Eden and you'll find out what we just did by going to Eden and what we, what, what is happening. Oh, uh, well, it sets up essentially the end game then? I, yeah, because there's only two more chapters after this. Also, you find out that this little ragtag group of pirates are kind of badass. So, you know, because, like, you know, constantly, every time I'm on the fucking, the, the, the main, I don't know, the bridge of the ship or whatever, it's all these people who are like bumbling idiots. You know, <laughs> Steve's kind of a moron. Yeah. And Simon definitely is. The captain acts like a fucking idiot. You know? And it, you're surrounded by a bunch of morons. But dude, there's a scene that you're going to get where I'm just like, holy shit. Why have we not been doing this the entire game? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you guys are obviously badasses. Why are we not doing this? So yeah, uh, but that's that's where we're gonna leave off for now. Uh, we'll we'll talk about what is revealed after this cutscene uh, on the next episode. We're gonna finish this up next week. At least we're gonna attempt to. Uh, I have a feeling we will, but but yeah, um, I know that there's some people that's been playing along with us. Um, they haven't got any emails about it, and I'm not saying you're gonna have to email us, but. Those of you who have played this game, especially particularly people who've been played along with us, don't don't be afraid to shoot us an email. I'll definitely read it out on the show. I want to I want to hear your thoughts on this game. Um, and you can do that. It's Drew at ztgd.com. Uh, you can also tweet to us. I'm at DML Fury. Matt is at REMGS, and the podcast itself is at ztgd Phoenix Down. Um, but yeah, definitely get in contact with us about this. I know there's a few people out there who's been playing along. Um, and, uh, I know it, like, I appreciate everybody who comes into my chat and watches me play this game. Um, because I streamed pretty much the last three chapters. Every time I'd, I'd play, I'd pretty much just start streaming it. Just because, why not? Yeah. So, uh, and plus, I don't think there's a lot of people streaming Rogue Galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> True, but, you know, you're yeah. like, 
I feel like either there should be more or there should be a sequel. Well, so. I highly doubt there will be a sequel. Because, well, you had Nino Cooney after that. And then Nino Cooney 2 is coming out this year? Or maybe next year. I can't remember. Yeah, and they did two White Knight Chronicles, right? Was that level 5 that did those? I thought so. Huh. Okay. Well, you never know. We may get a sequel to Rogue Galaxy. Maybe. Someday. But, uh, yeah. Uh, that's a pretty productive episode. We covered a lot of crap, man. Yeah. Like, it was like, a lot of hours, yeah. which was awkward because for the first, like, five hours, nothing really happened, or four hours, which was all of, most of Chapter 8. And then all of a sudden, it's story beat after story beat. Yeah. It's fight after boss fight after cutscene, like, hours of cutscenes. I mean, like, like I'm not exaggerating. What we just covered in this episode here was at least 15 or 16 hours of this game. Because the chapter 8 itself, just us getting those key pieces, took 10 hours for me. Yeah, it probably took me about that. And I probably had two or three of those done from the last, like before the last recording. Yeah. But, but yeah, most of it was this, this recording. Yeah. But yeah, I'm going to finish this up. I'm going to finish up last week of uh, September, and then it's on to our wonderful Halloween series, which is going to be Eternal Darkness. Get excited for that one. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. I adore that game, but I have yet to ever beat it. And I've attempted twice. <laughs> I've attempted twice. I feel like I was pretty close. I don't remember exactly where we ended, but I may go back and... See if I can find that to see where exactly we did end. Yeah. But yeah, that'll be it for us this episode. I do appreciate everybody listening. Uh, but like I said, yeah, definitely send us an email for this the final finale next week. Uh, we'll definitely read it on the show. I want to hear your thoughts on this game. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that'll be it for us. Uh, good episode, but we'll be back next week. Until then, I'm Drew. And I'm Matt. And we're out of here. Hope you guys have a great week, and we will return with the conclusion of Rogue Galaxy.